0: You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm Matt. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but to some, it is merely fiction. Join our conversations as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about the show or to contact us directly, visit us online at www.betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. Welcome back, listener, to episode 65 of the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. And I'm glad to say that joining me as always is Nathan Van Horn and Matt Powell. Um, we've had those, we had a couple string of episodes in a row, but now we're back to making it where it's just a normal thing. Again, we've had two episodes in a row now where all three of us are together again at last and we're going to remind you just straight off the bat. Give us that five star review. You know what I'm talking about, because it's not just on Apple Podcasts anymore. It's on Spotify. So if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overdub, or whatever it is you listen on, give us that five star and be sure to tell the algorithm that this is worthwhile content.
1: You know when like guys get together, uh, sometimes stupid things happen. You know? Oh, it, never. It, yeah, at exactly. least at you know, least
2: once more. at least once a week.
1: Right. <laughs> that is, you know, now that we're all coming back together, sometimes the coming together is not exactly a good thing. Because this is Genesis 14. They get together and they decide to go into battle. And it doesn't really work out. And we're going to read about that today.
2: Mm. You, you you, say we're going to read about that, but I have a sneaky suspicion I'm going to read about that.
1: <laughs> you are absolutely correct, son of the Hebrew scholar. You... We, we, you have been called upon to... Uh,
0: it take You just need to glance at Genesis 14, and I was already thinking, oh, I'm, I'm not reading. So, <laughs> no. so uh,
1: it's going to be hmm. a fun thing to see today, I think. There's some fascinating things here in the text that otherwise, I mean, this is one of those when you get to it and you're reading through the Bible in a year, you go, well, okay, whatever that was. But I think there's more here than we think. And more than yeah, well, I mean,
0: if you've been listening to this show there's for an extended period more. of time, <laughs> yeah, there's always more than you think. And you also know that we we like to we like to come to these types of of passages and chapters. Oh, dude, you know, this, this is like our home field dude, advantage. We love here. the weird stuff.
2: Don't mind me in the background just practicing the pronunciation of these words. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I can assure you that the overwhelming majority of people that are going to listen to this podcast, including me will not know the difference if you mess it up.
2: <laughs> yeah, so this this is the secret, uh, like, to uh, throw every pastor everywhere under the bus. There's an unspoken guild secret that if you don't know the pronunciation of a given biblical word, just speak it rapidly, loudly, and with confidence, and very few people will call you out. Mm.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mostly, joking,
2: mostly, <laughs> mostly joking. Mostly you, joking. Your pastor's doing it correctly.
1: That's right. Before before you read it though, I was telling Gandalf it does kind of read like something out of of all things Lord of the Rings, you know all these kings' names and battles and you know yeah pits and whatnot. It
0: it, re- it reads like the first pages of the Silmarillion, Honestly, yeah, it, it's, no, it's, I, it's very I, you interesting. know I, I I will say this in the in
2: the uh, grand flow of Old Testament scholarship, you know this is certainly we're in that period of the Old Testament where. Um, Often more liberal progressive scholarship really is hesitant to affirm the historicity of of things at this point in the biblical story, right? Yes, Um, because there actually
1: is all these kings listed. There is no archaeological or available historical information outside of the Bible for their existence. um, but But
2: it is interesting of the attachment of kings and locations and over against... In other words, they're kings and they have... They have a, an understood kingdom, uh, you know, place of reference, whether that place of reference is being told in real time or, again, from the whole um, living the exodus and conquest while you're reading Genesis, whether they're using place names as they were at the time or place names as they were known later. That makes sense, correct?
1: Well, you see that, yeah. and we're going to see that in verse 7 because it talks about the country of the Amalekites. Well, Amalek That's is it. a descendant of Esau. Esau ain't here yet. That's so. it.
2: Okay, so so we're tracking on that. So, but it is interesting that the um that you have a connection of kings and their locations and but it's it's interesting to me that uh this is the first passage where Abram is called Abram the Hebrew. Mm. Right? So mm-hmm. this is a guy who's been promised land and yet has no land attached to him. He's just Abram the Hebrew and some link that with uh, Hapiru and that's, you know, a whole another debate that we don't have time for today. Um, this is one of those episodes where, we, where where we spent four hours talking about what we're going to take thirty minutes to record. It's um. <laughs> you, know, you,
1: just, you just made a point though that uh, Abraham is never called a king. He's never called da, a da, king.
0: Da, da, da. You know, but as we will see in this passage, that doesn't mean that he doesn't absolutely slay like a king. Though,
1: uh, oh well, yeah, yeah, like we're going to see that.
0: This, this guy, this guy, man, yeah. I, this this passage makes me see Abraham in a whole new light. Absolutely.
1: Well, before this we is get the, ther- the, the,
0: ther- the Thermopylae of the Old Testament, yeah, amen to that.
1: Oh, don't give it away, Nathan.
2: <laughs> okay, too late.
1: Yeah. All right. Brother. Let he
2: who has ears to hear listen. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's right. Uh, why don't we uh, go ahead and listen to Nathan Nathan Reed? <laughs> All, right. All right, and All listeners, the way verse as
2: 60. always, what verse? Um, <laughs> This is Nathan Van Horn signing off. Um, all right, uh, so A, uh, Genesis 14, 1 through 16, and as always, listener, we are reading from the ESV. In the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, Ariok, king of Alassar, Kadar Kado, Laomer, king of Elam, and Tadal, king of Goyim, these kings made war with Bira, son of Sodom, Birsha, son of Gomorrah, Shinav, king of Admah shemiver king of zevoim and the king of bela that is zoar can,
1: and can all I just these say, joined... i'm going to interrupt here i oh. i, I can hear it like and he was the lord of the of the elves and he was the lord of the you know the dwarf clans
0: and, and from him came monway first of the night <laughs> lord have mercy
1: <laughs> all right all right we're nerds keep going
0: uh um lord
2: have mercy Verse 3, <laughs> and all these joined forces in the Valley of Sidim, that is the Salt Sea. Twelve years they had served Kadar uh, Laomer, but in the thirteenth year they rebelled. In the fourteenth year, Kadar Laomer and the kings who were with him came and defeated the Rephaim uh, and the Ashtaroth Karnaim, the Zizim in Ham, the Amim in Shaveh Kiriath- Kiriathaim, and the Horites in their hill country. Gosh, I've never been so thankful for the word Horites. In their <laughs> hill country of Seir, as far as El Paran on the border of the wilderness. Then they turned back and came to in Mishpat, that is Kadesh. Interesting that Kadesh is mentioned. That is interesting. And, and defeated all the country of the Amalekites and also the Amorites who were dwelling in Hazazon Tamar. Then the king of Saddam... Uh, of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, and the king of Admah, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Vila, that is, Zoar, went out, and they joined battle in the valley of Sidim with Kadar Laomer, king of Alam, Tadal, king of Goim, Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Arioch, king of Elasar, four kings against five. Now the valley of Sidim was full of bitumen pits, and as the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some fell into them, and the rest fled to the hill country, or some translations say, because uh, the Hebrew har is used here, to the mountains. So the enemy took possession. Uh, so the enemy took all the possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. They also took Lot, the son of Abram's brother, who was dwelling in Sodom, and his possessions and went their way. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew, who was living by the oaks of Mamre the Amorite, brother of Eshcol and of Ab- Aner. Uh, these were allies of Abram. And when Abram heard that his kinsmen had been taken captive, he led forth his trained men, born in his house, 318 of them, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. And he divided his forces against them by night. He and his servants had defeated them and pursued them, to Hova, north of Damascus. Then he brought back all the possessions, and also brought back his kinsman Lot with his possessions, and the woman, women, and the people.
0: Man, thank you so much, Nathan. What a that was fascinating good. chapter.
2: Anybody got any oxygen? I need some.
0: <laughs> Man, uh,
2: so I thought we had exhausted everything to talk about before we started recording. And then I know y'all's little mental maps were just jumping like my like, did we even read this
1: stuff? Right. Yeah, th- there were there were things that I noticed on that read that I was like, hey, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> we,
2: we talked about we talked about the possible connection without noticing the obvious mention. So <laughs> that's, that's
1: right oh my gosh
2: um so gandalf and, and it, this yeah, is is funny because i'm sorry go ahead this is my new favorite game all right sport you know it's like name that tune where you like you have to pick the song and see how many you know notes you can do it in my new mm-hmm. game is gandalf spoil this episode based on what jumped out to you what are we talking about today
0: <laughs> well i i what, know what Matt sounded going to familiar. Get really excited well well, one, I know Matt's gonna get really excited because I know we're we're about to talk about giants again. I know that. Oh dude. and then the second thing is I see lots of dots going back to Babel. Ah. Which that's surprised me because it doesn't seem like that on the surface, but I see All
2: right. Babel, Babel is
0: nowhere mentioned in this passage, sir. What it, what dots it, do you not. see that connect us there? Well, uh, the one that jumps out that jumped out at me first when we were talking during our aforementioned three hours of discussion was the uh, the bitumen pits, because that was an important aspect of the city of Babel, specifically the tower. And mm-hmm. then also, um, one of the locations of Babel, we call, we always call it, you know, the, ta- the tower of Babel, but really it's a city of Babel, right? And on we're the, on the know, plains of
2: Shinar, Shinar, there it is right there. There it is. And how, how so, interesting that this is not the main King later. He's not mentioned first. How interesting that when you start the chapter to help give you that framework, he is mentioned first.
0: Mm. Man, there is a lot of dudes involved in this. I tell you what. Mm. So, so can I? Th- I, so- I used to read. The-
2: oh, go ahead.
1: Um, well, I'm interested in what you're about to say. I'll, I'll hold my thought. Go ahead. You used well, to. Read-
2: I, I used to read again. This is another one of those chapters I used to read very anticlimactically. Okay, there's a war. Lot chose the wrong place to settle. He gets caught up in the drama, and Uncle Abraham has to ride into the rescue. And it seemed like open and shut case, that's all there was to see here. But that's not the
1: case, is it? It is not the case. There, so there, there are dots going forward that you probably heard myself and Nathan draw attention in verse number seven by a word, Kadesh. Like, hmm, Kadesh.
2: Why would Kadesh be important? Why would
1: Kadesh be important? And How did we... A, we read dude, this earlier. I, I read, How did we not dude, catch now, that? I read this like three times. How in the world did I miss that? I right, translated
2: so, it in Hebrew. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: like, what in the world? So, um, okay. Kadesh, and the funny thing is we talked about Kadesh and didn't realize that it's actually there. Like... We were saying that this reminded us of what is going to take place at Kadesh in the book of Numbers during the rebellion of Kadesh Berea, when the Israelites see the giant clans and they send the spies out and, you know, they, Joshua and Caleb give a favorable report. And then the other 10 are like, uh, we, you know, we can't mm-hmm. do it. We're done. So how these guys are huge. We're like grasshoppers. Exactly. So here's, what's interesting we know that the rephaim later they're called the anakim the zanzumine and
2: they're and they're they're linked to so the rephaim are it's interesting we talk about this sometimes in the lxx the Septuagint, the greek translation of the old testament it's translated rephaim is translated uh two different ways in some places they're called giganton giants and some places they're called titanon titans like these are these are I big dudes see. These are, these are guys who are linked with people like Goliath.
1: Um, they're big dudes, and also because those Greek words are used, and we're also told in numbers, and of course, if you've listened to this podcast, you already know that we've landed on the supernatural view of Genesis chapter 6, that the Nephilim are some kind of mixture in some way that we don't fully understand between the tampering between gods and men, and I use that lowercase g. Uh, but, so... We don't fully understand that, but here's what we do know and can say for certain is that the Bible makes clear that the Rephaim and all of these dudes are descendants of the Nephilim regardless of what they are. There's some kind of association.
2: Yeah, there's a link made.
1: They are giants, and these are the very people that are going to scare the fool out of Israel and cause them to run away from entering into the land. Which the is- land the land that
2: god promised to abraham
1: <laughs> yes mm-hmm. that is that harkens back to maybe. this stuff <laughs> exactly oh. so and also another thing that's just kind of weird and drawing another point forward um a careful reading of this text reveals that the reason this battle I feel like
2: we're, I feel like we didn't even, we didn't even notice Kadesh, uh, Kadesh. I feel like we can't say careful reading.
1: Yeah, that's, that's
2: so true. <laughs> a, a, cursory, a, a, cursory a cursory glance yeah, at fair. this text. Yeah.
1: A, a cursory reading of this text. I, the, a- the,
2: the, the funny thing is the hypocrisy on my part. I just got on to my son the other day because he missed questions on a quiz he had at school because he left the answers blank. And I'm like, Judah, you got to read every word on the page, man. You got to read every word on the page. Wonder what parent he got that from. <laughs> Go down. <dad>. Um,
1: <laughs> so, well... Yeah, but a casual reading of this passage reveals <laughs> <laughs> reveals that these kings, Sodom and Gomorrah, are among an alliance that make war on these northern kings. Kedor Lamer being the head king and also the king of, uh, of Shinar as well. Now, what's interesting,
2: and again, so so you uh, these are descendants of of the Babel saga, is what we you know. Yeah, so again, you've got Bit, the... Bitumen, Shinar. There, these are the descendants. Again, God has spread out those nations, and the first time they come back together, it is to make war. Uh, I, I, you know, because and I think that's so interesting because we talked about the whole Nimrod making war on heaven. God knows what He's doing in response to that because He knows that number one. Uh it is futile to make war on heaven, right? Mm. But number mm-hmm. 2, he knows that the inevitable the inevitable the inevitable outworking of that type of thinking is you get around to making war with each other on earth. It's not just right. vertical destruction, it's horizontal destruction. The first time we see these kings and nations come
1: back together, it's to kill each other. Well, but so or at least plunder each other. Well, but the the northern kings were apparently the overlords. So the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and other were already... They're, they're probably having to pay tribute, and they want to overthrow. So they're the ones... The saber rattling comes from Sodom and Gomorrah and their cronies to go against their overlords. Now, what's interesting... Gosh, this,
2: this reads like later in the Old Testament. We don't have time, but it does. I know.
1: So what's interesting is that when they actually go into battle, if you look in verse number 4... 12 years they had served Kadur Lamer, but in the 13th year they rebelled. This is Sodom, Gomorrah, and their cronies. In the 14th year, Kadur Lamer and the kings who were with him came and defeated the Rephaim. And it goes on and it names all the ones associated with the Rephaim. So this is their
2: offensive line. These are the big brutish guys you put out, front.
1: So these guys are the giants. Sodom and Gomorrah are in alliance with the giants and they use the bad guys and they use them as their first wave against these people. So there's so many, like, first of all, lot, why in the world? Like there's, there's so many things here. Uh, like (laughs) if lot had been a spy to go into the land, Hey, they look like nice people. I mean, it's like <laughs> and Matt, it, we
2: talked about this, we talked about this, we don't have time to unpack it, but the whole association of Sodom and Gomorrah aligning with um with the Rephaim, right right, and later, what will the people of Sodom and Gomorrah try to do with the heavenly visitors?
1: they'll try Uh-oh. to rape the heavenly visitors and, but well. and
2: again and again, yeah, and again. Where do they even get the concept
1: of that possibility? They already had it. They, because they're surrounded by it, they're in league. Perhaps even these kings were part of them, were some of the descendants. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe not the kings, but their people. But, but it certainly they were in alliance with these people. And also, if whatever the Nephilim did in Genesis 6 deserved that kind of evil was what contributed to the flood. Maybe we're starting to understand a little more why God exactly destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It wasn't just for human evil alone, but what these other players that have introduced into this mix. So there's, there's just a lot going on here that you've, you've got giants in league with Sodom and Gomorrah. They're trying to, they're the ones starting the war they throw off or they send out the Giants as their first play as, uh, you know... Charge! (laughs) Exactly. And then when that doesn't work, once the Giants are killed, according to the text, everybody else flees. The Giants are... That sounds familiar. Yes.
2: And by the the way, I love... You know, we tied this to Babel. I love the way... Uh, that the Bitumen comes into this, you know, before Bitumen was this binding agent on the Super Strong Tower, right? Uh, and 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 now it's Bitumen, not upwards but downwards. Now it's pits, pits. full of Bitumen. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, this is this uh, Babel bring. You know, the the rhetoric of Babel brings about the reverse reality of Babel. Uh, hey, you're not building up. You're you're
1: burrowing under. Nathan, you did mention something beforehand that several scholars that. We looked at
2: yeah. There's there's in, there's interpretive division uh, amongst commentaries on Genesis, uh, and it's, it, uh, it says, "Now the valley of Siddim was full of bitumen pits, and as the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some fell into them, and the rest fled to the hill country or to the mountains." Um, some scholars go with they're fleeing from battle, and they're just falling into these pits. The word for pits here is the word used for for water wells, wells uh, throughout the rest of the Old Testament beer. Um, but some scholars think that they're accidentally falling in them potentially to their death in many instances as they're running from battle. Others see them as hiding in these pits, like the rest hide in the mountains. yeah, uh they're they're seeking refuge in these things. Uh, and I again, there's there's not interpretive certainty uh with with the language that is used. um I I kind of personally I think I gravitate more to the hiding interpretation, especially from the passage we'll look at next week, uh, where, you know, after Abram and his crew show up, uh, the king of Sodom
1: comes out of his hole, essentially. Right, exactly. Uh, so so, th- so going back, man, I cannot believe we missed Kadesh. Uh, right. <laughs> like just, this, this whole thing happens at the place where Israel is going to say, we cannot face the giants. Yet- yeah, and and... Yeah, and hold up,
2: you know, for for our for our listeners, look at the look at the flow of this in the Old Testament. Again, you're living the Exodus and the conquest while you're reading Genesis. And so, right. one of the first stories you hear about the guy to whom God promised the land involves him and his crew running off these people. Only for the descendants on the cusp of inhabiting the land that was promised saying uh what are we going to do about these big fellows? Right? In the
1: same place. Yeah. In the
0: Yiddish. in
1: the same exact place. That's it. In the same, With a um,
0: lot fewer of a a lot fewer of them too. Abraham only had 300 so, dudes. That's right. So when, yeah.
1: fast forwarding in the story when the tens And spies, by the way, how how
0: how will how will uh how will
2: David establish himself as a worthy king of Israel?
1: The slain giant.
0: Ding ding ding!
2: Right, and, um, and and time out. We've talked about and everyone this. everyone
0: runs away after after the giants. We've defeated. we've
2: talked about this. Tall King Saul wouldn't fight a taller opponent, right?
0: Mm. Uh,
2: but David, who's the smallest and youngest of his brothers, um, he says, "Hey, the Lord d- delivered the lion and the bear into my hand. He can handle a Philistine."
1: So it's it's interesting, <laughs> is that so? The king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah are hiding in their holes because. Their giants have been killed. Their warriors have been killed. And Abraham, or Abram at this point, takes off after these guys and and rescues them. So if, as Nathan just reminded us, if we are reading or at least sitting around the campfire and hearing the story of Grandfather Abraham while we're living the exodus and it's the night you know, before the spies get back and somebody's telling the story of how granddaddy Abraham or granddaddy Abram defeated we're the all giants eating, at Kadesh.
2: And we're all eating matzo ball soup.
1: Yeah, and hummus. And hummus. So am Sorry. <laughs> that is why we're going to see in Numbers... The God responds the way He that does. Took place yeah. there was so bad because it is the complete antithesis of of, of the elect people they were called to be. They, they they had God's blessing. They even have the story. Abram, their ancestor, has already beat these guys, or at least beat the guys who beat those guys. Like, and yet they. They just uh, don't connect. So anyway, if we've learned anything from this passage, is that there are a whole lot of stuff. There's a whole lot of people that are introduced. By the way, this is the first place we read about Kadesh. Um, but all these people who are introduced, this is not like, hey, here's a little footnote notation of some history that was going on at the current time. No, this is introducing the Rephaim, it's in the giants, it's introducing Kadesh. Uh, it's, it's introducing uh, the evil that's associated with Sodom. Uh, of course, we kind of already read that last week, how the men of Sodom. Uh, and then it's also, it's taking us back to Babel. There, there's just a whole lot of stuff happening here.
2: Well, and, and, and you see this mounting uh, momentum on Abraham, right? Like right after God called him and blessed him, he goes down to Egypt and he leaves there more substantial than he came. Right. Rich in gold and piles, silver and
1: livestock. Just yeah. Pharaoh just,
2: Pharaoh piles all this stuff on him. Now, now Abraham's got an outright entourage in this chapter. And by the by the end of this battle, he's done what? He's added to it. He's plundered the plunderers. Um mm. uh, So I think that's interesting. But, you know, by this point, Abraham has alliances and he has 318 men born in his house. Uh, Very importantly, though, nothing so far captures the essence of God's promises to Abram. He promised Abraham a land and descendants. And Abraham, for all that he has, still has neither of those things. It's interesting that, again, when it talks about him rescuing Lot, how is Lot referenced? As his brother's son as we've seen elsewhere, he's not Abraham's heir. He's not Abraham's son. He's the son of Abraham's brother. And for all the men born of Abraham's household, these 318 who fight with him, none of them were born directly to Abram. And so this does capture something moving forward biblically. Do you disregard, as you press on to lay hold of what God has promised do you acknowledge or disregard what he has done already right and you see you see a mounting sense of trust and faith on abraham on basis of what he's done already that god is going to be good to the promises of which abraham has not yet laid a hold and it makes it all the more ironic for the children of the descendants of abraham that are set free from Egypt, you know, that come through the wilderness and are on the cusp of their inheritance to say, God's done a lot. He overthrew Pharaoh, but we don't know if he can take these guys that are great, great, great,
1: great, great, great great granddaddy ran off. Right. Gandalf, see anything we missed?
0: I like how this is kind of a weird parallel to the story of uh, the Spartans at Thermopylae. Oh, yeah. Even down to even down to having 300 men. Go, go against <laughs> these guys, who, um, and in the Zack Snyder film, uh, King Xerxes even refers to himself as the God King.
1: But it's in this story, uh, the Spartans win. <laughs>
2: either either, either way, so either cool. way, uh, Thermopylae or, or Genesis fourteen, people are falling into pits or, <laughs> or jumping <laughs> yeah. into zone, one of the two.
0: <laughs> I, like Abraham is so cool in this passage; he's like going around plundering people, like adding to his crew and everything. I just imagine like one of those slow motion. Uh, shots where, like, there's an explosion, but the heroes aren't looking at it. I can just see Abraham, like, flicking a cigarette into one of the <laughs> bitumen pits and, like, explosion. He, isn't, he doesn't look at it. No, he's too much of a Chad. Yeah, yeah. I love it. <laughs> I love it. But, listener, if you... Don't want to fall into a bitumen pit. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't want to fall into a bitumen pit, may I suggest subscribing to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast on whatever platform it is you're listening. Be it Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Hit like, hit the star, hit the thumbs up. Five-star reviews on all those platforms. Tell the algorithm that this is worthwhile content. And we'll see you every Tuesday morning with a new episode of this grand narrative. Until then, you have a great day. See you next time. Shalom. Come
1: with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination.